This is Gary Wakefield and you're listening to Queer Life Stories. Um, so my name's Adrian Hingston. Um, some of my friends call me AJ. Um, I'm 44, turn 45 next year. Uh, I wouldn't say I identify as a bear, but I tend to move in the bear circles. However, I'm not really too fussed about labels within the gay community. I have friends that are, would classify themselves as twinks, you know, transgender, you name it. So there's not really a big issue there for me as far as boundaries within the gay community. Um, it's more for me about the person, who they are and how they identify to me and how comfortable I feel associating with that person. So did you grow up on the northwest coast? Yeah, I grew up here in, Te- in La Trobe. Um, moved to Devonport when I was about 21. Then um, moved to Olverston for a little while with a previous partner and then moved back to La Trobe and had this house built uh, in 2015. So pretty much been around the area my whole life. Um, but yeah, sort of grew up around the northwest coast here. Uh, went to high school here in La Trobe. Um, had a little bit of a tough time, but you know, there's a lot of kids that had tough times. Doesn't make me special by any stretch. Um, went to college in Devonport. Um, I've worked around the Devonport and La Trobe area all my life. Um, sort of met some people through different communities and stuff over time. I sort of recognised in myself from about the age of eight or nine that I was a little bit different, you know, in that, yeah, I wasn't really sort of cottoning on to the opposite sex like some of the other guys were, you know, starting to get develop that interest. It wasn't really until I was probably 13 or 14 I sort of started to understand why. And it probably wasn't until I was about 16, 17 that I sort of started to even be remotely comfortable with experimenting with the idea of you know same-sex relationships and so forth. Uh, it took till I was about 19 years of age to actually um, put myself into that situation where I was able to experience something one-on-one with someone of the same sex. However, I did have a couple of dalliances with the opposite sex, and it was more about a "is this right for me" type thing. I sort of knew, but I just wanted to be sure, and you know. I've even got one of one of the ex-girlfriends now who still keeps in contact with me and she says, I so didn't realise that that was who you was, but she said I'm fully supportive of it because she said, because I explained to her exactly that, you know, I was basically just finding my feet making sure. And she said, well, you didn't do anything wrong by me, you know, so she was happy with that. So we keep in pretty, pretty close contact, which is good. From the early years, it was probably a little bit difficult because I was a little bit shy and that sort of stuff. And then I got into a relationship when I was 21 with someone who was a little bit older than me and really looked after me quite well, um, and like allowed me to go out, you know, to the nightclubs and have a bit of culture. Unfortunately, it wasn't gay culture; it was just general youth culture. Um, and it probably wasn't, like I said, until about 30 before I even started to really. Um, 
experienced gay culture and that was more about going to Victoria and Sydney and going to some of the larger organised groups events um, where I sort of started to find out where I fitted in the whole scheme of things, the sorts of people I could associate with that I felt comfortable with and also sort of seen it from the other side of the spectrum as well as to where there's, you'd see people that would be turning up to events just to be seen at that event because it was the thing to do, you know. And um, I sort of quickly learnt that um, you don't, I didn't need to feed into that. That wasn't who I was. Um, while I may not have been overly confident, I was certainly not going to try and put myself out there and go, look at me, look at me, you know. Coming out, that was a little bit difficult. Um, probably sort of, I was in the relationship 12 months before really anyone knew about the relationship I was in. I sort of um, just told my parents I was moving. That was cool. They're like, yep, yeah, okay, you're, you know, you know, you're old enough to do that because I was nearly 21. You're old enough to do it, you know what you're doing. Um, my brother happened to spot me and my partner in Hobart one day. And he goes, oh, who's that? And I said, oh, it's my, my friend. You know, I wasn't willing to say my partner at this point. And he got, sort of got wind back through the grapevine um, by someone that he knew that worked with my partner, who my partner was and what he was all about. So my brother sort of found out. And he said, oh, he was pretty good about it. He said, oh, you know, he said, I think you need to be, you know, tell people what, what you're all about. And I said, well, look, so just give me a little bit of time to get my head around the fact that I've got to tell people. I said, and I'll do it in time. And he said, yeah, look, he said, I'll give you 12 months. He said, you know, give yourself 12 months, you know, get, get your head around it, work it out and then do it. So he, he was good enough to give me the 12 months for me to, to say something to my, to my mum. She was pretty good. The hard thing was talking to my dad because my dad's quite religious. Um, you know, says his prayers every night, says his rosary, that sort of stuff. So I knew it was always going to be a tough, tough, tough nut to crack. Um, he was pretty good about it. He said, look, you know, he said, as long as you're happy, you're in a stable relationship. He said, no problem with that. He said, I'm not comfortable meeting your partner at this point. He said, it's something I've got to work through. It took him nine years to meet my partner. But one day he just rang me up and said, hey, bring him around for a cup of coffee. So, you know, he just needed to get it worked through in his own head. It wasn't because he had any bias or prejudice, it was just because of the religious factor for him. And in the end, he, he said to me, actually sat down and read through the Bible and was trying to read the passages. And he said nothing in there that he could see said anything about same-sex relationships. He said it was all about how to be construed by the people that read it out. So to him, it was a non-issue once he got that through, you know, once he'd read through that and worked it out. It was, it was pretty tough, I must admit, but he sat me down to start with and he said, look, it's just going to take me some time to work through it. He said, I don't have any prejudices against you. He said, I'm happy. He said, I'll defend you to the hilt. So I knew that he had my back. It was just a case of him getting it straight in his own mind. You know what I mean? It wasn't, wasn't homophobia or anything like that, I don't think, by any stretch. It was just a case of, he was a little bit old school. It just took him a little bit to get used to. Yeah. But, but at no point was he homophobic. He had a couple of guys that he worked with giving crap about it, and he defended me to the nth degree, so. Generally speaking, most people have been pretty good. Even when I was going out 
like in Devonport and stuff with straight friends and stuff. The bouncers all sort of knew who I was, what I was about. I wasn't really outrageous or over the top or anything. I sort of just stayed with my friends and, you know, didn't really try and, didn't really give, give them any cause to be concerned. Like I really didn't, if I was interested in anyone, I was pretty careful about how I went around it. Um, uh, there was one instance where some guy was a bit keen and he was from down in Hobart where he was probably a little bit too forward in his approach and that caused a few, ruffled a few feathers out on the town uh, with uh, some of the other patrons but um, I just wasn't too fussed about it, I just let it let it roll pretty much. I uh, wasn't willing to let um, someone that was quite obviously um, you know, I had to have a good time. He wasn't from in the area, so he didn't give a crap what people thought of him. And he's like, you know, he was quite blatantly, obviously being over the top gay. Like, I don't think he was that gay. Like, his mannerisms and stuff were quite accentuated, and I think it was because he was drunk, not because that was who he was as a person. Um, and he ruffled a few feathers, and he was quite commonly chasing me about, obviously showing interest. And... I just thought to myself, oh, well, you know, this is my home area. I've got to sort of play it down a little bit. And I think I think most people had a fair idea what I was about anyway. But no one really gave me too much grief about it. I probably got more grief about it in high school before I realised that I was gay than what I did when I was sort of in my young adult life. Um, and then I've had those people come up to me later on and said, oh, you know, we sort of knew that you was gay. We didn't really want to, um, was it probably a bit nasty to you as high school kids can be, rah, rah, rah. and they sort of tried to make their peace with me and I said, well, what's changed your attitude? They said, oh, our attitude hasn't changed. We just realized that you was just being yourself then and you're still being yourself. And we've probably come to realize that we did the wrong thing. And I've sort of said to them, well, that's great. Thank you for your apology, but I still don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I think my first probably real outing into the gay community was I went to the Grampians, um, the event that the Big Bears used to run at the Grampians uh, in 2011. And there was a couple of guys from down here who actually said, oh, we'll get a cabin with you because we're really worried about you. You're not going to cope. And I was fine. I, was, <laughs> I had a field day. I was fantastic. <laughs> but um, yeah, but that was sort of my first real outing into gay culture. But uh, and then sort of I looked at that and then I went to Southern Hibernation in 2016 and I looked at that and I looked at the Grampians and I thought these things are two completely poles apart and the Grampians ones unfortunately declined because they could only have about 30 people there. It was a four hour trip from Melbourne. Um, it was based at what would be classified as a school groups hall. I mean it was fantastic, it had a pool and everything, it had great bushwalks and you know, Dales, uh, Grampians is a beautiful area, but this gay culture around Melbourne, unfortunately, it's it's made it demo its demise. Didn't really move in gay social circles very much until I was about 30, mostly because I was in a relationship from the age of 21 for 16 years, so I was sort of very subdued and not really restrain my partner was really good allowed me to go out and enjoy myself and do stuff but I'd just sort of go out locally you know where you're not really getting much gay culture um, and 
But it wasn't probably until I was 30 that I started to get confidence and went over to Melbourne to some of the, you know, to the gay venues and stuff in Melbourne and stuff, and to Sydney a couple of times and got to learn more about the gay community and the different subcultures within the gay community and think, hang on a minute, I don't really fit in the bear community, I don't really fit in that community, where do I fit in? But most of the guys that I'm friends with in Melbourne would classify themselves as bears, but they're all lovely guys and none of them have any issues towards any other gay subculture, which is really cool. I'm pretty lucky in my workplace, um, my complex manager's a lesbian, um, her partner works at um, Story Bernie. Uh, one of the guys there was quite funny. I worked with him for three and a half years and it was only the last six months he actually realised I was gay. And it wasn't because he was um, flying under the radar or not realising or anything like that. It was more about he just didn't put two and two together like other people did because I wasn't, you know, wasn't over the top about it or out or, you know, if anyone asked me, I'd say, yes, I am, but I wouldn't make a song or dance about it. And um, people were mentioning things to him and he was defending me, saying, no, no, he couldn't be, he couldn't be, don't say those things about him, you know. And uh, then one day he just said to me, he said, are these rumours true? I said, what rumours? He said, are you gay? I said, yeah. He said, how come you didn't tell me before? I said, you had no need to know. I said, does it change anything? He goes, no. I said, well, there you go then. And um, so I've been at the Devonport store for probably just on two years now since that opened. Um, there's a couple of gay guys there, there's a few, couple of lesbian ladies there. Uh, the Complex Magic used to work at the Bernie stores, moved across there to the Complex Magic Devonport. So it's got a smaller gay culture in the, within the store and there's not really any problem. Do you have like a gay circle of friends? I have now, I didn't have up until probably after I was 30. Um, yeah, but that's probably more come out of uh, running a, an event, you know. I've sort of found people that are interested in who I am as a person more so than what I'm about. Uh, we do stuff together. I've got straight friends and gay friends that mingle with me all the time. Um, and they don't have a problem with each other. And we just generally do normal sort of everyday stuff. We probably don't necessarily do all gay focused stuff or all straight focused stuff or whatever. Whereas once upon a time it was all very straight focused when I was younger. Now it's sort of a mixture of the two. Like if I go to Melbourne for a weekend with one of my friends, we'll do a lot of gay focused stuff because there's a culture there to do it. Um, when we're sort of around Tassie, you know, if there's a gay event on or something, we'll go to it. But it's not so much the focus here because we live in the area and, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that we can just do generally anyway. Mm. I mean, I go to drag shows and stuff like that, and I think they're fantastic. And I'm sure they have a reason why they do it. But then I guess there's like probably, for some people, there's a an element of, you know, a veil so that they can be more expressive. Um, I've got a friend who used to wear a pup mask when he'd go out sometimes because he'd get really anxious. And by wearing a pup mask, it would allow him to be more uninhibited and be a little bit more who he was. And he doesn't need it anymore because he's, he's got out of it, you know, he's sort of grown out of that stage. But, you know, I, I walked him down Flinders Street you know, and people were going, why did you do that? I'm like, well, who cares? You know, it was, it was basically a coping mechanism for him. 
So I really didn't have a problem with it. So, you know, I've sort of experienced those sorts of things in my life from being exposed to those sorts of things um, in ways that I probably wouldn't have done here in Tasmania because the community's, well, it's not small, but it's hard to get a grasp on in some areas and it can be quite uh, disconnected in different parts of the state, I feel. There's a, um, a couple of larger groups down in Hobart and stuff that sort of won't associate with each other and things, and it's really sad that that sort of occurs, I think, because you know, we're all sort of under the same banner. Why can't we try and work together a little bit? And you, you, you know, it's been, we've, people have tried to do it before and unfortunately in some instances it just doesn't work, so. Talk about your event. So my event, uh, Bears by the Bay, I started in uh, September 2014. Uh, we ran it as a three day event at Bridport on the northeast coast. Tasmania um, I was lucky enough to find a accommodation venue down there that had self-contained cabins for people more than happy for a bunch of gay guys to wander around in their in their lodgings um, uh, unfortunately um, we only managed to secure that venue for two two years running it was 2017 because we did two events in two years the two events at Bridport were in were in within six months of each other and then the third event was at Camp Banks here at Portsmouth which again is a sort of similar sort of setup to the Grampings it's more like a school camp type environment um, five minutes from the beach beautiful area second year we had it um, at Portsmouth we had a, a very big Friday night we had a few people that were getting rather um, amorous with each other <laughs> but it was all a lot of fun like a couple of the guys got a little bit inebriated and I remember one of the guys in particular was trying to pour his drink down his throat and sit in his chair at the same time and it ended up all going down the front of him. Uh, another guy ended up sliding down one of the poles outside of the um, rooms because he was a little bit too intoxicated to got to stand up. And But generally it was a whole lot of fun and everyone had a lot of, you know, enjoyed himself. Um, there's a couple of other little things that went on that were a bit interesting but I probably won't mention them on a podcast. We held the event out at Camp Banksia for three years on a three-day basis. This year we um, decided we was going to split it up a bit. We did some stuff on the northwest coast. We did some stuff in the Launceston. We had a barbecue at the Cataract Gorge, which was quite successful. We had about 16, 17 guys from Launceston turn up. Um, we did a stint in Hobart, and there was a few guys from Hobart that came out to dinner with us. And we went and done trek around Mona and had a look around Hobart and did, did a few bits and pieces. What we've decided to do this year, because there's a couple of guys that have been two or three years running now and they come down to Tasmania and treat it like a little holiday. So they've been coming down, a couple of them even come down for a month. So they treat it like a bit of a holiday. So what I decided to do this year, okay, we're gonna spread it out over two weeks, do a couple of barbecues on the Northwest Coast, do a barbecue at the Cataract Gorge, do a couple of days in Hobart, um, there's some good accommodation at Cambridge, which is not very expensive. You can fit four people to a room, it's like about $160 a room for the night. So it's actually quite cost effective when you put four people into a room. I mean, as long as they're happy to share, it's not too bad. Um, gives people opportunity to have a look around Hobart, do a bit of sightseeing, as well as then course, sort of meet up of a night and do more sort of stuff with each other of a night. Um, I've had a couple of guys that are coming into Tasmania on the 27th of February from Hawaii. They're actually keen to do some of the some of the events with us this year. Um, the last year, not this year, but last year out at Port Sorrell, we had a guy from Wales that decided at the last minute he wanted to come. So it was got, they had a little bit of an international flavour. And like everyone, you know, he sort of gets along really well and 
a lot of guys, you know, so most, generally the, the base of the group that it ends up coming is usually 35 plus. So it's usually the gay guys that have been through the scene, they're over all the crap, they don't want to deal with the nights out where you get the massive hangover the next day or something like that. So they just treat it as, you know, a fairly chilled out sort of thing where they can just do what they want to do. There's not any real structure placed around it too much. I mean, I've probably structured a little bit more this year, but that's because it's over two weeks and there's only sort of like one thing happening the next day anyway. Um, it's not like you're gonna be hemlocked into doing something every single day, and it's pretty much opt-in, opt-out as you want to do it, so it's not a big, not a big commitment. And, um, you know, the Dalesford stuff and all that chill out and everything, Dalesford's a big thing. I've never been to any of that, but some of the people that go to it now reckon it's not what it was designed for originally. Um, so the way I was looking at it was I was trying to find a niche in Tasmania for something that I, could, that I would want to go to, that other people might want to go to. I have found it a little bit hard around Tasmania to get people to show interest. Uh, probably because I'm not very well versed in a lot of groups around Tasmania and that. Um, and then obviously there's a little segregatism in different areas of Tasmania as well, unfortunately, which hopefully by different groups contacting me will help break things down a little bit. But um, no, I sort of feel that it's helped me grow as a person and become more confident in who I am, as well as you know a lot of other people at City Nights helped them and that, or even had a couple of relationships come out of couple of the uh, previous Bears by the Bay events, unfortunately they haven't lasted, but you know, it obviously shows that, you know, it gives people time, more time to connect mm. than what's like some of the more structured, bigger um, events that they hold in Melbourne and Sydney do. And I'm not, not locking them in any way, shape or form, they fantastically run. It's just that unfortunately, some people don't go to them for the right reasons. They go to them to have a party and, you know, just get drugged out and be seen with the it people. I don't run like that, it's not how I am. Bears by the Bay is on uh, the 28th of February until the 11th of March. Um, it's basically based in the northwest coast, Launceston and Hobart. Uh, the Hobart leg's going to be for about two days. I think it's the 7th or 8th of March off the top of my head from memory. Uh, I can confirm the details onto, you know, if anyone asks. They can contact me on my Facebook page or uh, via email. Um, I'm more than happy to give people further information. There is some people around the area that are willing to accommodate people if they're not from around the area. We want to try and make it as easy as possible for people to um, to come along. You know, and when we realise too, if there's you know people from Hobart or or the west coast of Tasmania, and that you know, it's a bit of a trek if you want to just come to a barbecue or something. So you need to have that. You need to have a bit of support there around, you know, being able to get there and get home or whatever. So there's a few guys around that'll help accommodate and stuff like that. The message I would probably give to them is uh, you need to sort of allow yourself the freedom to uh, experience different things either within the gay community or within uh, other friends that you may have outside of the gay community. Um, you shouldn't be scared to reach out to people if you think that you need to help. You know, don't be scared to reach out. Um, you know, there's people out there who will help you. I mean, even, you know, if, if someone wants to talk to me, I'll, I'll try and help them out wherever I can. I'll direct them to the right people if I, if I need to. 
And I don't want young people to be scared because like even though I've said the demographic's probably 35 plus that's been coming to Bears by the Bay, there's no reason why someone younger can't come along. And you don't need to identify as a bear, you don't need to identify as any subculture of gay male. If you're interested in, um, you know, uh, getting to know new people, uh, getting to learn a little bit more about, if you're very young and experienced, getting to learn a little bit more what the gay culture is about, but from a more friendly, sort of laid back perspective, as opposed to being pummeled, you know, with this sort of more overhyped, oversensitized version of what gay culture is about, then, um, you know, I would, I would suggest to get in contact. And, you know, and obviously there's plenty of gay groups around that will help you out if you need a hand as well. So, I mean, I didn't know about a lot of them when I was younger and I probably still don't know about as many of them as, many of them as I should, but hopefully that'll change. And it has changed over time. Just by me doing this, it sort of helped a little bit. So I think I've grown by doing it as well. So, you know, I sort of encourage people to, you know, to try different things. And, you know, if, they, if they've got an idea for something, try it. You know, it, it helps you to become more confident in who you are. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Cool. Thank you. No worries. If you're struggling with your own mental health, please contact Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Both services are available 24-7. If you would like to tell your story, share your experiences, or would just like to get in touch, please email us at queerlifestories@outlook.com, Or you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Queer Life Stories. This podcast is a no-budget, one-man operation to produce. But you can support this podcast by donating or subscribing to us at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Queer Life Stories. If you're listening in Tasmania and would like support regarding your sexuality, gender or intersex status, contact Working It Out on 6231 1200 or find them on Facebook. QLife provide anonymous and free LGBTI peer support and referral for people across Australia wanting to talk about sexuality, gender identity, relationships and more. They're available 3pm to midnight every day on 1800 184 527 or you can web chat with them at qlife.org.au. You can hear future episodes of Queer Life Stories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from. Please follow, subscribe, rate, review and share. We will be back soon. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourself and each other.